Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. On DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. This is Talk Wrestling on TalkSport 2. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Paul Heyman. I serve as special counsel to your reigning, defending, undisputed WWE Universal Heavyweight Champion, Roman Reigns. And these people are a drag on my time asking me to remind you that you're listening to Talk. I don't even know what the name of the show is. Talk Wrestling, Wrestling Talk. It doesn't matter to me. And you know why? Because I don't listen to it, and neither should you. You're listening to Talk Wrestling here on the Fight Night feed from TalkSport, the podcast out every week in association with our Monday night shows on TalkSport 2, the only place on national radio delivering you hot wrestling chat every single week. And what a show we've got coming up for you in this podcast. We have WWE Hall of Famers, the Bushwhackers. We have the current NXT Tag Champions, MSK. We have Simon Miller joining us from What Culture Wrestling to preview wrestling. Mania Backlash and Steph Chase from Digital Spy to talk about AEW's blood and guts. That's all coming up on Talk Wrestling in your Fight Night podcast feed. I'm Will Gavin, as always, alongside Talk Sports Wrestling's are Alex McCarthy. Two huge interviews, or I guess four huge interviews with two massive tag teams coming up on the show for you. Uh, but we will kick things off with Simon Miller from What Culture Wrestling. Looking forward to this coming Sunday's WrestleMania Backlash. I am very well, guys. It is good to be back. And I was going to make some kind of joke that we could just repeat what we did at WrestleMania, because that's what WWE Raw has been doing for the last (laughs) few weeks. SmackDown is a tremendous work of art. But I won't do that, and instead I will save all my hilarious jokes for the rest of the segment. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I was worried you were going to say for other places. I will save all of my hilarious jokes for YouTube. You don't deserve them. (laughs) No, I'm still trying to come up with hilarious jokes for that, so give me a while, I'll come up with something. Simon, are we at the point now where it gets to Monday morning of pay-per-view week and you're like, where is my DM from Alex? Where is it? I, I, well, I won't lie, I did think about it, yeah. But I would never, <laughs> you know, I would never go as far as to presume that I would come back because you never know. Plans change. In the wrestling world, plans change all the time. But I have now yeah, got it ingrained in my brain that Monday before, before a WWE pay-per-view, I, sh- I should expect a DM at some point. Or hope for one because I love <laughs> yeah. coming on the show. We keep him on the hook, Will. Every 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 pay per view month, it's it's going to be up our sleeve. I, I like that you wait until the morning of the show. You, it's like you're dangling it. You just you, you're not willing to give him anything in advance. It's it's a uh, you know it's a, he has it's, to I'm, want it. He has to really I'm, want it. 
I'm Vince McMahon-esque. Listen, until it gets to show day, I don't care. I'm not planning yeah, anything I mean, long in, in advance. Anything, anything can happen on the day. And you may, you may be able to get, like, I don't know, Stone Cold Steve Austin and other people. <laughs> like we should definitely go with Austin. Sorry, Miller, you're out. You're cut. I want, I want to be in that production meeting where we debate. Listen, we've got Stone Cold, but can we cut Simon Miller? I don't know. <laughs> could we not do oh, both? I love it. That's what, that, that would be the... That would be the breaker right there, Will. That would be two the, hours. The, Unless the Stone Cold is turning up and saying, "I will come on and do two whole hours," but my caveat is, you will have no other guests alongside me. Then, I, then okay, fine. But otherwise, <laughs> you're just it, you're just fabricating Steve Austin demands now. <laughs> no, what I'm saying is, is, unless he does that, then you know, if he's willing to only come on for an hour and forty five minutes, then I'm dedicating the other fifteen minutes to Simon Miller. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, he's at, Look, he's at his I place. I still got booked, even with one of the most important people in wrestling history. I still got on the show. See, as always, this is why I look forward to it, because my ego goes up. You're such a glass-half-full kind of guy, Simon. That's what you are. It's Um, annoying, isn't it? Well, you're going to need to be that way, because we're about to get into, as you say, uh, the repeat card of WrestleMania. For some obscure reason, they said, if we chuck WrestleMania as the prefix ahead of Backlash, people will think... Maybe it's WrestleMania. <laughs> I don't know what they're actually thinking uh, in terms of a marketing ploy, but nonetheless, SEO, I'm sure, for those who in the writing world will know, maybe it will help. I don't know. But we do have five matches. They are all title matches. Um, some of them we've seen before, but I will say for Bobby Lashley, Drew and Strowman, the triple threat, the more I think about it, is that more of a welcome thing to add Strowman into the mix? Now, please correct me if I'm wrong, but as I understand, or at least, you know, my, my prediction is what we're doing right now, is that Braun Strowman has been put into this match, so likely he can take the pin, so we can mm. probably do Bobby Lashley versus Drew McIntyre money in the bank, but to get Braun Strowman in the match and to protect Drew McIntyre, we pin Drew McIntyre on Raw. It's just the most confusing, convoluted way, unless they have something else planned. Like, maybe they are going to go in a totally different direction, but... I kind of the only reason I can see, given that it's called WrestleMania Backlash, to add somebody else is because you want to do Bobby and Drew, but you've gone, oh, we should probably give it, you know, a couple of months before doing it as a singles. But Braun beat I just so badly. The whole thing has been an absolute roller coaster. Yeah, I'm not sure what they're thinking. I agree with everything you just said, and I don't see Lashley dropping the title whatsoever. I think. Even if they do do Drew and Lashley in the future, maybe Drew could do with being out of the title picture for a little bit. I just, uh, I'm not sure fans are clamouring for him to hold the title again after being in the picture pretty much for a year, right? I know he had the Sheamus story break off and that, but pretty much he's been in the title otherwise. Um, I, I don't know if this is really the route to go, but this is what Backlash is. I mean, it's in the name. <laughs> you're going to get a lot of people that have lost titles saying, hmm, I would like another shot at those. Um, so I, I, I get it. I just, I feel like Lashley has to move on to other things. Um, you know, long, long-term long picture, I'm thinking Lashley-Lesnar at SummerSlam would probably be ideal. Um, I don't see Strowman. Although Strowman has famously said that he felt his title run was great, uh, I don't anticipate that everyone else feels that way. So I, I just don't see it. I, I feel like, uh, although it's nice, it isn't singles again, and it's a triple threat, and it could be some chaos with the three men involved, which I like, I think Lashley retains. Answer me this. 
If Shane McMahon wins that cage match, does he earn a place in this? Is it a triple threat with Shane McMahon, with Drew McIntyre and with Bobby Lashley? We just established this. Braun beat no Drew, reason. right? It's, it's, yeah, but ugh, it, it's a nonsense. The whole thing was a nonsense. Raw is mostly a nonsense. Well, they, <laughs> now you are talking, yes. <laughs> yeah, Raw, the, the, the build to this match has been utterly baffling. And I think the other issue that, you know, the best championship matches are always ones where you don't really know what's going to happen. Even if you have a really solid idea, deep down you're not 100% sure. And, you know, WWE have done crazier things, but yeah, going into it, it just feels like, it feels like we've already done it. And I just, it, yeah, it, it's been a bit of a shame. And I agree with, you know, what you guys have said. I would absolutely put Bobby Lashley on his own path now because as soon as he can have a proper feud with somebody else, he will feel like a brand new champion. And at the moment, we're kind of doing all these repeats. But as you say, it, it's tough to get too mad at it, given that it is called WrestleMania Backlash. It's not the only triple threat that we've gained, of course, uh, with Charlotte Flair being added to Asuka against Rhea Ripley, a triple threat for the Raw women's title. I mean, I, I'm not saying that Charlotte Flair is the Braun Strowman in this situation. I feel like Charlotte Flair makes a little more sense hey now. being fitted hey into now. this. What? <laughs> let's not let's not <laughs> let's not tar her with that brush please yeah that's what i'm saying i'm saying i'm not equating her with braun Strowman, mm. but she has still been dropped into a match where maybe it makes a little more sense simon but it's not necessarily completely sensible no i, I think the issue with charlotte here too is that it does feel like we do this a lot and i think charlotte flair you know there is this weird uh, i don't know what the right word would be attack minded approach by some people who just will not give Charlotte Flair the time of day, even though she looks like a star, she wrestles like a star, you know, clearly has all those, all those Flair genes and is making it work. But, it, there, you know, there has been multiple occasions where she has sort of been put in matches. We're like, well, did she need to be put in this match? And again, it all depends on how we spin off from it, because if they even think about putting the title on her now, that just, you know, it, it doesn't do anything for Rhea Ripley. So that would drive me crazy. Oscar very sadly kind of feels like she's fallen back into that position where they know she's so good. You can do whatever you want with her. And sadly, when you get in that position, you don't really win. Because people are like, she can lose all the time. And who cares? Oh. But, you know, the, the point is, if Rhea Ripley beats Charlotte Flair in this match, you know, let's say she hits Riptide 1, 2, 3, and then can go, look, I've done, I've done Oscar, I've done Charlotte Flair. What's next? Then that's great. And all of a sudden, I don't mind that, you know, Charlotte's been put into it. But I just can't, you know, especially with the women's division at the moment, it doesn't really feel like there's a set plan. You know, on Raw, they've already announced that they're going to basically take, once again, the tag team champion, Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax. And they're all having a big six-way, because why wouldn't you do that? Although it does kind of make more sense with Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose, because that was all dropped recently, and I thought that was odd. But I, I, I also, if we're just talking about it, watching it on Sunday night or Monday morning, whenever you know we're going to tune in, this should be really good, right? Like, it should be great. Yeah. It should be. And that's the thing. Like, I actually think it does make sense to have Charlotte Flair in this match. And I know that Will's eyes are probably rolling right now going, oh, Alex McCarthy, Charlotte Flair fan. But let me get you to the point. Um, she was obviously on, on course to face Oscar at WrestleMania before she, well, had a mixture of phantom pregnancy and COVID. And that obviously pulled her out. So that was the direction they were going and she had challenged her, didn't happen. Obviously has the history of Rhea Ripley at WrestleMania for beating her for the NXT women's title. That in and of itself makes drives people crazy. So as you say, Rhea Ripley being able to exert that or banish that demon over Charlotte Flair would be a big thing for her reign. 
Do I believe that Charlotte Flair's in the match to take the pin? Eh, probably not. I would imagine Oscar takes the pin and we go to Ripley and Flair as a singles moving forward. But either way, given Flair's history and basically the way WWE position her as basically like a prize fighter, that is essentially what they say. She is nothing but a title specialist, if you believe them. Then I can buy it, right? I just hope that the end goal here is still making Rhea Ripley. Like, my fear is she was put into this WrestleMania situation as really a last resort. It was meant to be uh, Lacey Evans and Charlotte Flair. That got changed. It was meant to be Charlotte Flair and Asuka. That got changed. Rhea Ripley comes in, they put her over correctly because Asuka didn't have the steam. Their own doing, of course, not hers. And now you just think, okay, well, if you're going to build the star, then build it. And this is a very good opportunity. The most star power they could put in a match on Raw, to be frank. Uh, as long as you have Rhea go over, it's all, all all's well that ends well, I think. I couldn't agree more. That, I, I yeah. exactly how I, uh, exactly how I think it should go. But if Ripley doesn't win, then, of course, we all have to go on the internet and go absolutely crazy. I try <laughs> and make sure they're all on, the same, all on the same page with that one. Look. Firstly, si- uh, Simon, I've got to tell you, Alex McCarthy has read me like a book. The moment he started backing <laughs> Charlotte Flair being in his match, the eyes began to roll. But I do agree with you. There is a longer-term story here. There is a reason that this makes sense. It goes back to WrestleMania last year. And if you're using it to make Rhea Ripley great, because it's telling that story as well, it's Ripley showing that she is the dominant woman in a division that has some pretty dominant women in it in the forms of Charlotte and Asuka. So I have a lot less issue with it here. It's just, again, it feels a little bit like, I don't get why WrestleMania should be for me like a reset. Let's go. Let's tell new stories. Let's start to build for something. And I feel like they maybe are doing that on the SmackDown side of things. Let's turn our attention to the huge universal title match. Cesaro getting his shot at the big time. Now, I don't think any of us are buying that Cesaro gets the win here. But isn't it lovely to see him getting the opportunity at least? It really is. And I think the other cool thing about it is, again, you know, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, it's always better when you have this seed of doubt. And even less so in this one, I don't believe Roman Reigns is going to lose. But the reason SmackDown is such a tremendous show at the moment is because there's already other directions we can go in, or at least other questions we can ask. You know, what does Jey Uso do? What does Jimmy Uso do? Does Cesaro have any secret friends that he's going to recruit to help him now that he's lost Daniel Bryan? And I think that's why I can't believe at the moment Raw and SmackDown are being written by the same people. Because you have a match here where, again, I imagine all of us will say, yep, Roman Reigns wins. But there's so many things that could come out of the other side. And I hope this, I don't know if it will, but I hope this main event, just because I know what WWE are like, and this could be a one and done for Cesaro when he goes and feuds with Jimmy or Jey Uso, which is fine. But if this is sort of that, one peak that most wrestlers get when they've been there a long while. My word, does he deserve it? I hope it goes on last. I hope they give him like 20 minutes. I think they'll tear the house down, and I think they absolutely have the potential to steal the show. And again, I missed out the name of Seth Rollins, because clearly something is going on there as well. So you could do loads with this, and you're going to finish the pay-per-view and go, well, I can't wait to see what happens next. And and that's kind of the key to a great show, right, is having that star that everything trickles down from and all the seeds and everything's woven into it. Like maybe all of the best eras you can think of operate that way. And Roman's kind of got that right now. Like you said, you've got uh, Jimmy Uso returning. He's in the midst of it with Cesaro coming off the back of the Daniel Bryan feud and the Seth Rollins stuff. I I would be very shocked if they're not heading that way to SummerSlam. I really would. I feel like there's some kind of underlying seeds that they're planting. Um, And as I mentioned on Twitter, there is some kind of, 
energy or chemistry when them two are on screen that their history just kind of like comes at you. It's tangible. Um, palpable is probably the word. And it's one of those things for, for Roman. I don't think anyone is going to be beating him, much less Cesaro. Uh, and I say that through the eyes of WWE. Uh, I feel like he's going to be holding it probably all the rest of this year, maybe towards the next WrestleMania. And I would love it if Cesaro did get a title run of some sort at some stage. But at the same time, as big as a Cesaro fan I am, I'm not sure that you would take it off Roman right now anyway. So it's it's one of those situations. I would be really pleased, the same as you would, Simon, if he just gets to show the hell out, right? In the main event, let him go balls to the wall with Roman and put on an absolute classic. Because sometimes I feel like WWE placate us, right? And they kind of go, well, you know, we've given Cesaro a shot here. When really we're clamoring for him to actually have the title. They'll go, well, you know, we gave him a title shot and he had a featured match, blah, blah, blah. So I hope this isn't it for him. But I certainly hope that he shows he belongs on Sunday. And he absolutely will. Let's, let's make no mistake about it. The guy is absolute magic. I think my only concern is that everything you've said there is bang on. But what Simon was saying is there's so much potential for shenanigans here that I would quite like to see just the two of them go at it for 20 minutes without any shenanigans and save the shenanigans for SmackDown. How many times can one man say shenanigans in a sentence? I do not know, but I've just managed it four times and I'm pretty pleased with myself. That would be my only mild concern about it. But in terms of the talent involved, the ability to book these matches, SmackDown title matches over the last two years, like I, I'm, I'm all here for it. I think it's going to be... Absolutely superb stuff, but again, for I think the third one in a row, we're all pretty agreed that that's a Roman Reigns win. Anyone reckon mm-hmm. Bailey beats Bianca? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say next, though, because I'm not being dismissive, because I still expect this to be a barnstormer. It'll be very good. I'm oh, sorry, guys. Oh, go on, go on, Simon. Please, you go. Okay, I will, but... I, I've, I've caused a situation. Uh, I do think he's going to win. But the, the only problem I have with this, I don't like saying on a negative foot, but it's, the build has just but the build's been like Every time they've been allowed to do something, the build has been, you know, really, it's been interesting and I like it and there's history there and, and they've, you know, they've tapped into that really well. But it has felt like it's come around so fast and I'm still not past this idea that if we thought and I know the reason because nobody thought this but if we were going to do this match why couldn't Bailey have just got a big win at Wrestlemania which she should have oh. had a you know uh, she should have had a match anyway and then you could have rolled right on out of there into this because I mean again it's a, it's a Rhea Ripley situation it's a Bobby Lashley it's a Roman Reigns right now you don't take the title off Bianca Belair because that would be crazy you know she's our project that we're trying to we're trying to develop and they will have a great match you know we've seen them have great matches but it would just have been so good if there had been just one story point had they had a, just a little bit more time that made you go well we're just going to have to we're going to have to wait and see and also I don't think you even do a rematch with this so where Bailey goes after this I imagine Sasha Banks probably returns you know soon afterwards so I guess there's that intrigue but this is another one where on the night I'll love it but leading up to it it's left me uh, I don't want to say cold that's a bit extreme but you know in that kind of in that kind of way yeah I mean Bailey's obviously had to work hard to get the quote-unquote heat that she got on SmackDown to make the feud feel like there's something there because they were doing good work together earlier this year that really did help I think Bianca on the way to what we got at WrestleMania but as you say what's what's Bailey been doing since her her last match on SmackDown prior to WrestleMania was like February or early March. So she really wasn't being used. 
I'm still mad <laughs> that she didn't have a match at WrestleMania, but I'll save that rant uh, since I've already done it about 20 times. Um, but you're absolutely right. She, she It could have positioned her nicely coming out of that to face Bianca Belair. I still think that, um, judging by the star-making thing at WrestleMania, I it's all about Bianca Belair, right? Like They are building her. This is her time. She's going to get a good reign. And I think in WWE eyes, you look at Bayley, the longest reigning SmackDown Women's Champion ever, and just the name value that she brings to the table, it's a good first opponent, right? They just should have done more to make it feel that way rather than it is. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, they're assuming that we're going to buy into it, which we will on the night, right? But as you say, they haven't done much storyline-wise to make us feel it or believe it. Um, Either way, the match will be good. And I do believe that Sasha and Bianca, the rematch, probably is a SummerSlam match as well. I don't know if WWE can hold it that long. You know, how can they help themselves? I don't know. But at the same time, I do feel like this is a strong victory for Belair in like a first defence. You know, Bailey, as I said, being the champion that she was. In WWE's mind, that's a strong start. Uh, it's beautiful for me. I, I think it works really nicely. I think it's exactly the right kind of opponent. Uh, I think it shows the importance of Bailey, and I'm totally with Simon. I don't understand what they were doing with Bailey at Mania, but I hope that she goes on to get a really nice programme off the back of this, whatever it might be. Uh, but again, Belair retains. So that's got to mean, surely we can have... We've got to have some titles changing hands, surely, off the back of... You know, it's backlash after... WrestleMania backlash, after all. Uh, Al, you've been banging on about the Mysterios tagging together for a while. You've spoken to Dominic about it before. Uh, they're, they're beating the old dirty dogs, aren't they? Surely, surely. <laughs> I like the way that uh, Michael Cole just always gets their name wrong. It's like the top dogs, or the <laughs> and they're just like that's not even our Michael, name. We gave yeah. you a new dog nickname <laughs> so that you could use your big dog thing again, and you're saying it wrong. What's wrong with you? That, that's how important the dirty dogs are to WWE. Um, I mean, it, I like it as well that essentially Simon described Asuka as Dolph Ziggler earlier. Like you're just really good, but um, enjoy this meandering. Uh, yeah, I mean. There's a part of me that's a bit like... I know the tag match didn't take place at WrestleMania in the end anyway, so we wouldn't have got the moment, but the Mysterio tag team win in front of fans feels like it would be a big moment, right? The father-son connection, big baby faces, feels like it would have been good in front of a crowd. So, obviously, I get why they didn't do that, because it was just the SmackDown before WrestleMania. Is now the time to do it? Uh, I don't know, but at the same time... Having the Mysterios lose would, would suck a bit as well because I really wanted this to be a grand story when the Mysterios got together and really star-making for Dominic. At the moment, they're just doing what WWE does and they're a bit 50-50 about everything. And that's kind of leaving me a bit underwhelmed with the whole journey. So if they were to win Sunday, it'd be a bit like, oh, oh, they've won, rather than it's the climax of something great and the start of something else. So I think there's work to do story-wise, but the Dirty Dogs are literally just two pretty good wrestlers who are the tag champs right now. They don't have any kind of story other than the challenges around them. So the Mysterios could and probably should win. But again, I just, and this is maybe indicative of WWE full stop. The tag division just doesn't have that much spark at the moment. Certainly not as much as I believe they could have had with this story. I'm with you. You, I, I, I'm really with you. I, I think I'm maybe a bit more, I really hope that the Mysterios do win. 
it should be done in front of fans, but I understand the situation we're in. I think that's yeah. a really nice moment. And if we can then come off the back of that and, I mean, literally do all the things that you've just mentioned, make it feel like a big deal. Oh my gosh, you know, father and son as a, you know, as a dual champion, when the hell does that ever happen? But then also, and I know that I'm, this is never going to happen, but then revive the tag team scene within that and come up with some new teams that connect there, not just, you know, do Alpha Academy, Dirty Dog, Street Profits over and over again. I think <laughs> it's, just, it's just such an easy story to tell, right? And the best stories either have a little bit of reality in them or they're simple to tell. This has both. You know, their father and son, that's real. And seeing them win a major championship would be awesome. We just need to make sure that we play it out. So, you know, if we do get to, yeah, SummerSlam or Survivor Series or even the Raw Rumble, every single match they have can feel like an event because you're like, oh, I don't want to see, you know, Ray and Dominic lose because they go home to each other and have dinner. I don't know, whatever father and son do in this one <laughs> day. But I, you know, I don't want to go too off on a tangent, but... Um, T-Bar, or Dominic Dijakovic, you know, he made a point the other day on Twitter that the tag team division is actually great. And he was doing it sarcastically. I'm like, I didn't say this to him, but if he does listen, I'll say it to him now. He is right, but you have to do things with those teams. And at the moment, WWE just isn't doing it. Like, we are seeing a lot of repeats, which is fine for WrestleMania Backlash, of course. But if we can use this as a catalyst to do better, then I really think there's something there. Because, again, it's just so easy to say, isn't it wonderful that, you know, the, the dad and his boy, especially because he's one of the best of all time, were able to, you know, pull off this amazing feat. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
Simon Miller from What Culture Wrestling. Looking forward to WrestleMania Backlash here on the Talk Wrestling Podcast in your Fight Night feed. Don't forget to give us a rating and a review. It does really help find people find the show. Right, let's get into our interviews now. We'll talk AEW Blood and Guts coming up with Steph Chase. And we've got the Bushwhackers on the way. But first, before we get to a legendary tag team, let's talk to... A current great, formerly known as the Rascals, now known as MSK, the current reigning defending NXT Tag Team Champions, caught up with our very own Alex McCarthy this past week. Well, thank you so much for being a part of Talk Wrestling here on TalkSport 2 in the UK. Wesley, Nashkar, MSK. You know what I'm going to start with, boys? The biggest scoop in the industry. What does MSK stand for? <laughs> MSK stands for whatever you wanted. Oh, I knew you were doing this to me. <laughs> MSK stands for Wesley Nash Carter. Um, it stands for our lifestyle. It stands for what we stand for. It stands for two dudes hanging out. <laughs> really cool things. Uh, it, it's honestly, it's. What do you think MSK stands yeah. for? But this is it. This is like the what hottest. What do you think it stands for? This is the hottest thing on Twitter. Everyone's like, what is it, man? Um, theories. Are flying around, but uh, I, I digress. I, I think okay. um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, it may so, not be. We knew when you came. Obviously, like the Rascals is what everyone knew you as, right? So when you came into WWE, uh, whether we want to get into what it means or not, how did how quickly did you arrive on the new name, the new personas, all that stuff? Uh, pretty much when we got the call we kind of just knew it was time to grow and to progress and to take that next jump uh if you look at some of the greatest wrestlers of all time they knew when it was time to change and so that's what we felt it was time to change and present a new form of who we are to a new audience who necessarily may have not never seen us before so and we never changed who we are or how we do our thing it's it's just a, a new little bit of polish on it. It's it's just presented a whole different way, but we're still ourselves. Still the same goofy dudes, cracking jokes, pulling pranks, and hanging out. Hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> hanging out. And, well, I mean, of course, the Rascals as well came with Trey Miguel, um, and there was a time where like this kind of send off and impact. Everyone was like, oh, maybe. The whole collective is going to come to WWE, and that didn't transpire in the end. Um, how, like, I guess it would have been cool to do that, and I don't know what happened there or anything, but has it been nice kind of re-establishing yourself, like this fresh thing, just you two? Uh, you know what I mean? Like a, a bit of a departure from the Rascals, I guess. Yeah, I understand what you're saying, uh, but we've always been the tag team. Even if you looked at our past work, it was still pretty much just us as a tag team. There was yeah. hardly ever any six-man tags so nothing really changed too much in that aspect and initially it was just us uh it it started out with us um just traveling and going internationally to the uh to the uk we were under a different banner the first time that we went there um (laughs) but uh it, yeah, we've gone through some some changes. Yeah, like three name changes. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, but we, we landed here, and it's great. Uh, but it, yeah, we've never really lost who we are. And uh, with us being the tag team, it was just easy for us to, to just continue to transition and move because people see if they see one of us, 
they're expecting to see the other. Yeah. So that already establishes us as a tag team right there when people automatically relate you to another. And um, as our careers has progressed, the addition of our friends and our brothers and things like that, it just happened, but we were still a part of just that tag team. We, we were the tag team in our group. So when everything transpired and we ended up here, it was a no-brainer for us to continue to be the tag team, guys. Well, let's talk about you guys ending up here because um, it's obviously been you, what a wild success you've had in like a short space of time. Dusty Rhodes Classic, the hardware on your waist right now. What's the conversation like? coming to the company is this like a triple h conversation where is you know is that how it happens or is that something that you don't really talk to him until you arrive there uh, how did it work out for you boys um just being able to come down and see and take a tour of things was pretty cool and talk to him but even before that i was already kind of set in my mind because i love wwe i've always wanted to be a wwe superstar i've always seen myself under this banner, which is completely still mind blowing. So so cool. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, so yeah, I've, it's just for me. I've always wanted to be here, and I I as well wanted to always be here too. That this is where the best are, and I hold a lot of like me getting through some of my rough time periods in life to wrestling. So like and. Yeah, it, it's just so cool. Like, it's really hard <laughs> to even put into words. Like, I'm trying to articulate it and make it sound all special and stuff like that. But it's 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 easier to just strip it down and just say that it's bare metal. This is really, really, really awesome. It's the yeah. best time of life. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you've had the matches to go with it as well, man, with, like, Grizzled Young Veterans. And we know, obviously, you took the title off. Well, I say off. They were vacant, but you took them uh, away from Grizzly Young Veterans and the Garda del Fantasma. I just imagine, because you've had such a hot start, that you must be working fairly closely with someone like Triple H. You know, who, what kind of influences he exerted on you thus far? When I have these conversations, William Regal doesn't ever seem to be too far away either. Um, yeah. You know, what, what kind of guys have, have you, um, you know, worked closely with thus far? Because it, it, it's, it's one thing to kind of be new, but then obviously they've had shown so much belief in you straight away. Uh, we've gotten to have conversations with Triple H, Shawn Michaels, uh, Road, Road Dog. Dog, Terry Taylor, Fit Finley, uh, Scott Armstrong. Like, it's just so crazy the wealth of knowledge that is here. And especially because it's most of these guys we idolized. We wanted to be them. And now they're in our corner saying, go. Yeah, go do it. Like, and they believe in us. That's the biggest part. Is like the belief that you feel from them. It's just, I want to be so great for them and for him yeah. and for like, uh, it's infectious. Like the energy that they have, the enthusiasm, the belief that they have in us, and the way that they are motivating us to be the better versions of ourselves. Like it's even more motivating for us to push past any kind of plateaus that we may be having just so that we can not only do it for each other ourselves, but for them too, because they are giving us so much to themselves with advice, um, like critiques and, and just 
different ways of being able to present yourself that would just work better or may not. And they give that out. They give that like ability for us to make that decision. And it's, it's just special. Like it's, (laughs) really, it's hard to put into words unless you've actually had that done for you. Mm. Like if you've ever had somebody that you've looked up to take the time to sit you down and say, Hey, this is better than this. But if you feel that this is better, go ahead and you'll learn that the other one isn't. It's, it's so cool to be underneath this learning tree. This mm-hmm. learning tree is just oh, so much, so much. <laughs> so much. Oh. I mean, and that's the thing too. Like you like I said, it makes you feel like 10 foot tall, I bet. But if, to me personally, um, I think my favorite thus far was the Dusty Rhodes Classic final. That was, I think that was, it just had a bit of everything, man. Like the emotion in there as well. It was just so good. Um, talk to me about immediately after that, you go backstage, whether it be yourselves and how that felt. Cause you know, man, did you feel like you proper knocked out of the park like I did? And uh, what's the reaction like? The first thing that we do is just uh, hug, cry, say, I love you. Thank you. Like, yeah, man. It just, there's so many emotions there that like, I can't really pinpoint anything else because it was just so much and it just calling my mom and all of that. It just, uh. walking back with all the confetti on me and just the applause from everyone, the, the appreciation for what we were able to do out there. Uh, it, I felt out of my body. (laughs) If I, if I I possibly astral projected and I just (laughs) watched this entire like scene play out from speaking with Triple H and Shawn Michaels to speaking with everyone that was watching the match, I was beside myself just taking this in because it was hard for me to believe that this had happened until we got up to the locker room, adrenaline went down a little bit and we were like, yeah, that really happened. And then we had another moment of, I love you. Like, this is great, but what's next? And you see what's next. next. (laughs) (laughs) So like, it was, it was a great moment to have. Uh, but uh, it was short-lived. It was very short-lived because you don't get very many chances to, to stop and smell the roses. Um, but when you do, we take them and then we move on to the next thing so we can get ready to smell those roses as well. Absolutely, man. Uh, I know we've only got a couple of minutes left here, so I want to kind of touch on what you both said about being WWE fans, right, growing up, that this is kind of the place you wanted to be. Let's talk about tag team inspiration. As you two came together Right. What are the kind of teams that you're both like? Yeah, man, we gravitate towards those guys because I know you you're in your what late 20s, both of you mid to late 20s. Um, so <laughs> for me, I'm like 33. So like Hardy Boys, Edge Christian Dudley's, they're all my kind of guys. Right. What was it like for you? Same guys. Same. Same. Uh, Throw DX in the mix as well. Yeah. Any form of them. Road Dog and, yeah. and, 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 and the Badass is awesome. Yeah. Like it. The, the energy that they had mm. and then 
Ah, uh, but then if you want to go to like the 2006 and, with Sean and Triple H, man, I well. I loved that. Yeah. Another, mm. poop for Guy on top of speed. <laughs> come on, man. <laughs> come on, man. That's the, that's the fun stuff that we want to do. Like, let me get some spray paint, bro. Let, let... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's so no, many great tag teams. Yeah, we might have to make our own little custom NXT tag team championship. No, nah, I don't want to. I don't want to. Come on, man. You got to think about this. Yeah. Like green strap. That would be sweet. I want to spin them. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, listen, the merch sales would be big. I'm just saying. There's money in it. Green spinner NXT belts. Come on. Come on. <laughs> well, fellas, thank you so much for joining Talk Wrestling here today. I've had a blast chatting to you guys. Hopefully, one of these days we'll do it actually in person. In the UK would be great. Um, yeah, awesome. You got fun Love memories of the UK, right? Love so the UK. <laughs> so many great memories from the top to the bottom of the UK. Like, we have always had a great time. Um, you've always welcomed us so well. Um, and it felt like home. Yeah. And that's why we always came back as much as we did. It was cool. There was one uh, tour over there where no one knew that we were coming over. And then to be able to make a surprise entrance and the crowd erupt. Like, that's when, at least for me, I knew, like, oh, this is like second home. Right? Yeah. This is, yeah. <laughs> they love us. They really, really love oh, us. Oh, you want to go back and watch that now. <laughs> Yeah, I want to come back to the UK so, so bad. Let's so hope, man. Let's hope MSK get over here with the hardware NXT Tag Team Champions. Thanks again, Wesley NASCAR. Thank you so much for your time, fellas. Thank you Thank very you. much for your time as well, brother. You're listening to Talk Wrestling. This is Talk Sports Fight Night Feed, the Talk Wrestling podcast. And he said Talk Sport 2 there because we are on Talk Sport 2 every Monday night for you. From MSK, let's turn our attention to a Hall of Fame level tag team, those legendary Kiwis, the Bushwhackers, speaking with our very own Alex McCarthy. Let me say, awesome to have the Bushwhackers with us here at Talk Wrestling on Talk Sport in the UK. Bonafide legends. And let me say, Hall of Famers, man, that was such a that was such well, a delight. No, not only hey, Alex, not only WWE Hall of Famer, but we're pro wrestling Hall of Famers too. Yeah, that, we absolutely. As, we win as a pro wrestling Hall of Famer in 220. That's and a richly deserved as well. Let me tell you that. I uh, what I want to say about the Hall of Fame in 2015, uh, a lot of people were kind of like it was overdue. Like, did you think the call was ever going to come? Yeah, that's what Luke said. <laughs> I told him when I was excited to get called up, but I said, about bloody time. But the funny part is, Alex, a lot of people in North America, in U.S., especially the Northerner peoples, they, they thought that we got the on, on Facebook and social media, we were knocked. They all said, why are they putting these two clowns in, in the business? Now they didn't. They didn't know till they, till, till they put the story in and saw us go in the Hall of Fame. They didn't realize that we both started. We started traveling around the world in '68. Mm. We started tagging in '66. Butch, you know, we started tagging in '66, and we and we first come to North America in '72. We'd worked with, when we started talking about names we'd worked with, you know, we'd worked with Andre the Giant in the 60s. Wow. Butcher me in, in single matches. This was well before he came to North America. He, he came to New Zealand. 
and we were working and that we worked with him in single matches and in tag matches. And then we'd work with um, Peter Marvia, the Rock's wow. grandfather, and Butch went over to Samoa and worked the 10th anniversary um, over Samoa against Peter. You know, that's the Rock's grandfather. Mm-hmm. We worked against the Rock's father around the world. We'd worked against Stu Hart. You know, Bret Hart's yeah, father. Of course, of course. We wrestled him and Killer. I don't know whether you heard of Killer Kowalski at Train. Of course, Train Triple and that, you know, he was willing. He was selling out Madison Square Gardens in the 60s and 70s. We worked against them. So we've been around. When they heard about, when they heard all these names, then they realized we weren't, we weren't just a flash in the pan. <laughs> <laughs> in, other words, in other words, Alex, what Luke's is saying, we served our time. Yeah, absolutely. But not, yeah. But not in jail. <laughs> well, <laughs> after you read our book that we're just about to be put out there, we should have been put in jail ten times over. And if we had done the stuff that we did, that we've also put in the book, honestly, we would have been kicked out of the states the second day we were there. <laughs> Tell me about that, fellas. You got a book coming out? I want to know all about it. Yeah, well, uh, we can't tell you too much, mate, but it's it's called Blood, Sweat and Cheers. The blood and the sweat is of, of us from the 60s, 70s and 80s and the cheers at WWE. And um, yeah, it's about us right from when we first started going overseas together in the 60s, going up into while the, while the Civil War was going in in Malaya. You know, it was, wasn't Malaysia then. It was called Malaya. Mm. Malaya in Asia. We would we'd drive up while the curfew was on the, and they were fighting in the jungle. You know, it was third world. Elephants were working along the side of the roads. And, um, and we were high and driving up through the jungle. <laughs> crazy, <laughs> crazy and didn't give a f-. It was a curfew, five o'clock curfew. We, you know, the promoter or the kid, people driving us didn't care. You know what I mean? That's madness. Man. When, yeah, when is, yeah. Do we know roughly when the book's going to be available for everyone? I would say in the later panel this year, October. Yeah. Excellent. Can't wait for that. When it comes out, Alex, we'll have to hide. <laughs> because when some of the wrestlers read Butch is already hiding in New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay down here. Because New Zealand's uh, been cut off from the rest of the world because of the virus. So I'm safe. But when Luke appears around there at any of the shows, he's either going to get mobbed by the wrestlers or by the wrestlers' wives, of course. (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait to read some of those stories, fellas. It's as it is, Alex, I can assure you. It's as it is. That's the only way I'd like it. Excellent. I honestly cannot wait to get stuck into that. I mean, for me, uh, becoming, I was, I'm, I'm 33 years of old now. So to me, like WWF in the mid nineties is where I sort of my fandom started. Uh, and yeah. obviously kind of retrospectively watched a lot of your career and stuff. Um, but WWE was obviously the main part. And as you say, that, that was almost like gratification for you guys, right? You'd been around the world. You'd done all the yeah. hard work. And then you reached yeah. the apex. Talk to me about, 
about getting there and like Vince McMahon, I guess, laying out his vision for you guys and, you know, arriving there. Yeah, certainly. Well, we, we were before um, when when we got the call to go up to see Vince, um, we were, you know, we were with the NWA and we were uh, working then against the Rock and Roll Express. Yeah. And uh, it was a fantastic tag team. And the, the Rock and Roll Express and us, we were doing the main events around all the NWA smaller shows, not the huge big shows, smaller shows, and we were selling them out. And the masses were just tremendous because you had four guys that, that didn't have big heads. All they wanted to do was entertain the people and they're true professionals, you know. But unfortunately, something happened with one of the Rock and Roll Express and they got fired. And so they, uh, the NWA gives us another push on TV, puts the uh, North American tag team belts around us, which we used to call the pacifiers, just to keep, yeah, <laughs> keep guys Yeah, yeah, keep guys there, right? Anyway, it was at that time where Luke got the call to go up there from Vince, you know, and, um, and he, so he, he takes us up there, first class, First class plane, limo picks us up into his big office, big building in Stanford. You know, here we are looking around, you know, these still a bit of a, the old Kiwis, but redneckers, especially me. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we go, we go in there and he, oh, I've been watching you guys. I've been hearing good things, this and that. I'd love to bring you guys in. He says, uh, what do you guys think? Well, I'd like to bring you in as the good guys, baby faces. And Luke pipes up and says, oh, no, 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 no. What about if we, you bring us in as heels and we, you know, do the thing and change it? Because that's the way we always did it, right? But but we never knew this at the time. You don't tell Vince, uh, Vince or as we called him, Caesar, anything. <laughs> he tells you what he's going to do. But I must admit, he said it politely. And then he said, he said, no, no, he said that. Well, as right then, me being the uncontrollable one of the two of us, and a bit uncouth, I jumped up on his desk. I Now, I kid you not, on my hands and knees. So here I am now on his desk, on my hands and knees. My head's about three inches from him, probably spitting as I'm talking. <laughs> And I said, Vince, if you can, if you think you can make baby faces out of these faces, we are in. I gave him, and then Luke gave him, and then Luke will tell you what he said. <laughs> he said, he said to us then, he says, look at the mugs on my top baby faces. Hulk Hogan, <laughs> Randy Savage. Jake the Snake, Hacksaw Jim Juggin. He says, they haven't got pretty kisses, have they? <laughs> Which, you know, when you, when you look at their faces now, Hulk and Randy and Jake and Hacksaw Jim Duggan, none of them, they're all hard faces. <laughs> they're not pretty boys. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing, though. Like, you just yeah. mentioned some of the people there, right? Like in that time yeah. in, w, in time in WWE, some you know major major stars. The locker room is something that has always been spoken about in that era too, much more 
like maybe the Wild West and stuff like that. Like, yeah, what now, kind- mate, uh, Alex. None of people don't know that, but he never gave us the he never gave us the character. He gave us the name, the the, the bushwhackers. Yeah, but uh, the character came from us, you know. Butch, yeah. you know, we, we, when we when we were heels, and that when when we, when we went outside the ring, we tried to scare the crowd all the time, so we always swung up our arm or made some noise. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And Butch says to me, "Hey." Let's go to the ring, swinging our arms. Um, so, instead of just, you know, like we do, we used to just throw them up like that outside to scare the fans. But Butch said, let's go to the ring marching, swinging our arms. And I, I bit straight away, he says, oh, my shoulders are <laughs> fucked. And, and my shoulders are fucked. Butch says to me, do you want to make money? <laughs> I said, I still remember that. I still remember that and saying that. You know, my shoulders, the shoulders, look at it, it's sunken right out. That happened in Japan in the 70s. The guy suplexed me by the rope and my foot caught the top top rope and it drove my shoulder in the mat. So this shoulder doesn't go up any. You know, over time, your shoulder, this shoulder's been like that for, you know, 40 years. And uh, when Butch said that to me, I soon I soon threw that shoulder up going to the ring. <laughs> and and uh, it was amazing. It was amazing how fast the fans caught on. Yeah. About our, our, our first time they played our music after they'd seen that. <laughs> and we had one lot of TV and we marched out there. We had uh, a huge part of the audience marching with us, and with a month, nearly everybody in that arena was swinging their arms as we walked out there. So it was amazing, just a simple thing like that. And then we developed the little bit of the lick on the head and the rubbing the head. <laughs> and we added, we added a bit more bull as we went along, and uh, it was all good. But I'll tell you the worst thing we did. They, they, the... Um, you, are you familiar what a holly is? A holly? A holly. H-O-N-G-I. Oh, no. No, I'm not. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's, well, well, you know we have Polynesians, and they're called the Maori, right? Right. And Right. Well, that's their greeting, a very Polynesian way of greeting. They touch each other's, tap each other's noses together. Not not a head, but just two noses touch each other. That's a holly. They still do it now. Uh, you know, and a lot of people do it. It's done regularly. And a lot of the Polynesians and some of the other um, South Pacific countries do it as well. So they came up with the idea that they were a new gimmick for us to add some more flavor was to do this holly so they could bring some different merchandise out. So they made some new tops for us with a holly with the two heads, touching each other the nose and that. And if you, anyway, cut a long story short. We go, the bloody, we go into the bloody ring and boom, 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 and then we go all crazy and then boom, and then touch the noses, then back, pull a face, and away we go. Well, after about two or three weeks, now all the rednecks are wanting to come up to us, not... They didn't know how to holly, so they were trying to headbutt us. 
every year, right? So every time we went to put our the nose there, they would come and go, bang, they fucking there knock us out. We'd be nearly <laughs> on the bloody ground. And I, said, I said to Luke after, we, we put up with it for a couple of months. My head was like a cabbage. I said, oh, we're not doing this anymore, mate. So that was the, that was a mistake. That wasn't us that introduced that. That was the, uh, that was the uh, office, and it was never explained to the people as such. At the, that run, you got really hot, right? Really popular. Yeah. Um, do you not? Do you think um, there should have been more? Or I say any tag title runs. Was that never discussed? Well, well we, we started, we, mate. I'm going to tell you, we actually started to do a title run with the head, with the head, um, Tully and Arn. They were the what were they called, Butch? Was it the Brain Busters? Brain Busters, yeah. There you go. We, started, we actually did a TV. We actually did an arena match, and then we did a TV match at an angle to start a tour with them to go around yeah. and that. And then the next TV, the following week, we were getting a, a what's the name match? What do they call now when they give you jobbers? You know, um, squash. To put your, uh, squash. Yeah, they're giving us a squash match, and um, our our finish was a battering ram. You know, Butcher grabbed my head. Now the kid, we were running, Butch was running out, turned and put his hip bone, my head hit his hip bone, and I fractured, hairline fractured a couple of my vertebrae in my neck. Just, just hairline, but it tore the muscle. It tore the muscle that there, and um, I was out for about eight weeks uh, or ten weeks in that. So that, that title run, you know, Poor Butch, I killed the title run. No. <laughs> but, we, we, but, we, but we, you know, our characters, you don't really need titles. You know what I mean? Mm. Would have great, would have been great to have that run there because the Brain Busters were the best guys we'd ever worked with in WWE. Yeah. You know, they were they, they they were from the same school that we were from. Well, you know, they'd worked in they'd worked in NWA for years and years. You know, and um, Tully and Arn were perfectionists, mm. and, yeah, we, they were and they were so easy to work with. Where everyone else we worked with in WWE, apart from Ted DiBiase and and IRS, everybody else we worked with, and that we had to leave. And we Vince put them with us to groom the nasty boys, uh, the two blonde head kids, and everyone. There was only a few teams that we worked with who were perfectionists, you know what I mean? Yeah. The rest of them were put with us. Vince had brought them in, and he put them with us to groom them. So, too, also, too, Alex, um, we were just about to have a run with the Million Dollar Man and Kikibiasi and, and IRS. And um, uh, we did an angle with them as well. They were the champions. And we came over to your country, uh, Britain, to do a tour there and Germany. And um, the, after the first night, uh, you know, everything was going good. Ted uh, got into a little bit of strife. His wife had found out and said, if you, you know, if you're not back uh, within a day or so, the marriage is over. So Ted, of course, I hopped on a plane, left straight away. So that was the end of that one as well. So we missed out on not only working with two real professionals and having a hell of a match, 
uh, uh, we missed out on the run, we missed out on the belts. But the thing was, we really didn't have that many great tag teams to work with the whole time we were there. But you didn't need to, because even Vince said, you can stick you guys in with broomsticks and you'll have a hell of a match. <laughs> and they used to, Alex, even though we weren't main event and uh, Vince didn't usually put main event tags on anyway, no matter who they were. Yeah. But he would he would do his main event just after the mission. And then he would always have Luke and I on the last match, no matter who we were with. It didn't matter because his idea was you send them home the happy pattern. So the bushwhackers that come out last match, music could be playing. Nobody would have gone yet because they want to get entertained and they'd be all with it, marching, blah, blah, happy. Bushwhackers get their hand raised. Whoa, yay. <laughs> Everybody comes home as happy as Larry. And so we were in the last match. Nearly all of the last half of the time we were still with the uh, WWE. Let me ask you something on that. And I know I haven't got much longer with you guys. So last question here. It sounds like Vince is very fond of you guys, right? There's this kind of, there's this kind of uh, ongoing perception of him, you know, reality meets the character or whatever. What's he really like? How was he really to the bushwhackers? He was great. All the Asians used to come up to us, Pat Patterson and co. And he used to say, God, Vince loves you guys. You got no idea because we didn't. We brought a lot of energy into the WWE when we came in. We picked up the pace, even though we were, um, I was in my early 40s. I think Luke had just turned 40, maybe. And we picked up the pace because we were used to it. And uh, so everybody else, of course, picked up their pace too. And um, we worked our ass off every night because we were New Zealanders. We were used to that. That's what you did, you know. And so he so he treated us good. We were there, but the trouble is, uh, Alex, with a lot of wrestlers, they expect to go in there and they expect to be there for life. You can't be there for life. You can only be there for so long. He's got a whole card. You've got to keep changing the the wrestlers, the characters, everything else. Otherwise, people will walk away from the TV, as you know. And he's been in that. He's been in that position. Uh, recently, you know, with the main guys he's had, he's been stuck with the same main guys. You know, poor John Cena. They could never get anyone to get up to his status. And that, and John Cena was on and on and on. You get someone on the status and you can't get anyone to follow them. Now he, now he never gets anyone up to that status. You know, if you look at it now, uh, look at it now, Alex, you know, there, there was Hulk, then there was the Ultimate Warrior, and then there was... Um, Stone Cold, and then, then there was The Rock, and then there was Cena. You know, you had the Brett and the and the Sean Michaels in between, but they weren't on the same status as the guys I'm talking about. And mm. then I think Vince realized with John Cena that you know you can't take guys that far today. Otherwise, when they when they retire or they move on to movies and that, you're left with no one in their place. Yeah, they probably think it's Roman now. I guess. Yeah, 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 you know, well, Roman they've been playing with for years. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But you know, he he's never he's not up on the level of those other guys. The uh, guys I mentioned, that's no one's yeah. been up. No one's been up on that level. You know, to no. me, I don't yeah. know about you either, mate. But I'm just 
telling you that. No, now. you're you're right. That's that's rarefied air without a doubt. But uh, Butch, did you have something to say there? Sorry. Yeah, I was just saying that you know you said about the dressing room, and uh, every time we walked into the dressing room, we'd live it up, and and everybody, no matter what territory we went to, even WWN, everybody called each other mate after after meeting. Okay, mate, hi mate, hi mate, you know, because uh, they 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 just loved all that stuff, you know what I mean? So they'd pick up our sayings, and I'd bring in some Cockney sayings, you know, that I heard over the years because. We mix with a t- tremendous amount of uh, English wrestlers. That's how we learned our trade. Mm. English wrestlers come out here. We'd never seen TV. We'd never seen wrestling on TV. We learned from a lot of English wrestlers. And we'd go out and have this saying, you know, up the frog and toad and buddy, uh, <laughs> apple, you know, your boat race and mid yeah. uh, and, and so I'd do all that stuff. So they loved it. They'd all be, be, be saying it, you know. Uh, so we, uh, and that was the thing Vince loved as well. When the bushwhackers were around, he said, everybody's happy. So as you said, did you like Vince? Yes, I do. I think it's him and his whole family was so good to us, what they said they did. And we still get checks from the WWE. Not much now, I don't want it, but we still get little royalties here and there, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I don't complain. I can never, as Bush said, I can never knock him. You know, we've been in the business so long, we know you've got to move on. And we yeah. know we had a run there and that's it. Anyhow, mate, I've got to say too, we, we Butch is supposed to come over this year earlier on. He couldn't come because of the quarantine business. New Zealand has only got, if Butch leaves home and that, he has to wait 80 days um there's a wait for 80 days to get back in the country. So yeah. if he comes on a tour for 40 days, he's got another 40 days sitting in a hotel before he goes home. But we hope to do a final tour later this year, and we hope to put UK in on the end of the tour. And also we have a book coming out later on in the year, and uh, it's uh, it's the Bushwhackers, and it's called um, Blood, Sweat and Cheers. Alex McCarthy in conversation with the Bushwhackers. Brilliant stuff from them. Thank you so much. And we finish things off with Steph Chase from Digital Spy talking about AEW's Blood and Guts this past week. Well, I really enjoyed the Blood and Guts match. Um, I really did. I think the actual match itself was very well done. I think they took the right elements from the classic war games. I think it looked really good how they presented it. I liked little things that they did that were different to NXT, such as having the wrestlers outside the cage. When it comes to having a roof on the cage, I liked that. But then, of course, that led to the finish of going on top of the cage. But before we get to that, I think the actual match was really great. I think it delivered on the, maybe not the guts, but certainly on the blood. Um, I think the way they they pitted the two teams against each other, the orders that they had everyone come in in was really great. And there were some really cool spots, some really standout people that needed that moment to shine, um, such as Sammy Guevara, um, I think Santana and Dax as well, and Sean Spears all really made a really good impression. Um, I think the only thing I can kind of fault in that way is I think Wardlow, there should have been more made of him. But as far as the ending, I loved how it was storyline-wise. And I feel like it, the camera angles 
we're not good. And I think that's just what it suffered from. Um, I really do. And I think that there were some other issues in the match. That kind of way that I would have changed, such as the commercial break timing, I think that a lot of people missed some things that were watching you know, with the ad breaks. But as far as the ending, I just wish they showed a different angle because I was, I was so into it. Yeah, I think Steph's hit the nail on the head, Will, in the sense that the actual match itself was excellent, I felt. Um, it's been remembered for maybe the wrong reasons because of that camera angle at the end and, and Jericho kind of appearing to land on like crash mats and they had made what the metal stage seemed or seemed like it was metal was cardboard um Mm. of course like let's not get this twisted that is fine we don't want 50 year old jericho plummeting to his death we want jericho to be safe um it's just the fact that we've seen some different camera angles on twitter since you know like far (laughs) wide wide shot ones that may it may it looks a lot better right it's not as obvious the, the stuff and I guess like the argument that people are making is if I don't know if you're watching Game of Thrones and the dragon breathes fire and you see that the fire is not fire you know it's like a red line or something you'd go that's a bit lame you know like <laughs> and it's kind of the effects you know you just want it to look good and I think that's all it was but to me the actual match I agree with Steph completely in the sense that FTR proud and powerful Sammy in particular looked excellent Loved it for them. The commercial break, which kind of stole away Wardlow's entry. I get it, you have to have the breaks, but that seemed like a sucky point to have one and really didn't mm-hmm. help him, who I think he's one of the biggest stars who's going to be out and coming out of this whole thing. Um, and the chair shot bothered me a little bit. That Sammy, I think Sammy took it, where it's square on the head, right? Which is one thing. But if you're going to do that, don't then have camera angles that kind of pan away. Like, you know what I mean? Like... They, they took it away at the wrong time where it really took away from the impact of taking such a move. So to me, the match and the contents of it were excellent, really, really excellent. But it would have been legendary had they got those production things just a bit better, I think. Yeah, my, I my think kind of... that... Sorry, go on. No, sorry, I was going to say, it's kind of, um, it, it, it's really sad that this, like these production issues happened and it's hard because the comparison is of course going to be with WWE. You have decades, decades, decades of experience you know, with the production of a wrestling show, which isn't really always the easiest thing to produce and direct because there are camera cuts that you have to do, things you kind of have to hide and stuff. And I think that they, they need to get a handle on it better. I'm willing to give them like, that time to grow um, uh-huh. and hope. They, they do. I hope they learn from this mistake and think, okay, we really tried to execute something great here. Um, we were just let down by these production issues that we do have to iron out. I feel like two years in, as we pretty much are now, those production issues should already be ironed out. I did think it was a problem. It did take me out of it a little bit. And separately to that, and... I can't figure out whether this is a... And and I want to be clear on this because I've not had my say on the match yet. First thing to say is that overall, really entertaining, some great spots. They all worked their asses off. Like, it was great. But there were a few things that took me out of it a little bit. I'm really glad you highlighted Wardlow. I think after giving him that win over Hager, they've really taken all the steam out of him over the last four or five months. There's been nothing really for me since then that's deserved what should have turned into a massive push for him. Um, But the... Combined with the big spot at the end and the breaks, I can't figure out whether this is something that I 
am noticing as a wrestling nerd and whether this is something that like the I don't want to say the average fan, but maybe the casual fan wouldn't have noticed as much. I thought all of the blading spots were really obvious. I thought like uh. there were times when they'd just get punched and then they'd be crawling into a corner and suddenly they're bleeding all over the place. And I just thought like there's some really seasoned people in there. We know that they're doing it. I think that they just it just all oh, maybe it was the production, maybe it was the cuts, maybe it was who knows that cuts being meant in a different way. But there were just a few production things that did take me out of it a little bit and, and probably think- held it back from being top 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 tier one of the criticisms as well right was was jericho audibly calling spots i think on the home stretch that um was another thing that people picked up on and you're right it could just be people like us who know what to look for i guess and 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 critique those things um because what has to be said for blading it will be very obvious whenever anyone does it really if you don't hide and protect them so that again to me is a production issue because in wwe Again, if that happens, okay, you've got the blade in your wrist or whatever, in your teeth, whatever they do, they're down on the floor, they're selling, they they open up, and the other talent will be keeping the ref busy, the camera will pan to them, and then, like you said, it comes back to them, they're bleeding. Uh, Maybe not off a punch, I understand what you're saying there, Will, but um, I do think, again, it kind of comes back to the way that they shot the match, and yeah, they Again, it was their first one, so you could kind of say, yeah, maybe they'll learn some lessons on how to produce that going forward. But, um, yeah, it was just unfortunate. Because, again, as, as we go back to it, the narrative. I actually really enjoyed the the end of Sammy kind of surrendering as a way to save Jericho. And then, obviously, MJF just going, well, I don't care. And doing it anyway. I actually really dug that. Um, but, again, that's kind of been lost among the other criti- critiques. Yeah, I think... Um... Oh, what you were saying, Will, about like being in there and seeing things closer, like we do, and that is kind of sometimes can take you out of it because we know so much, like we know things about blading that a more casual fan or someone tuning in wouldn't. But then I think the ending spot probably looks even worse to someone that doesn't know anything about wrestling because at least we expect the padding. Um, That's a good point. Yeah, so I, I I feel that was you know extra unfortunate. But what you were saying, Alex, the storytelling, I, I do really like that. It made sense in the, the story that we've had with the inner circle, especially between MJF, Jericho, and Sammy, to see that, that ending. Yeah, the storytelling was definitely up there. And, and look, if you want to take the show as a whole as well, and we understand now that... The first half of it was was taped so that they could be set up for the main event. It kind of makes perfect sense. But, uh, you know, Kenny with the stuff with uh, Moxley and Kingston and everything there was was, I thought, really well executed. Um, Cody Rhodes, interesting. Did we see the the comments of uh, of Bubba Ray Dudley this past week, basically having a dig about the the fact that was it no was it Bubba Ray? Who am I thinking of? Bubba Ray Dudley had a dig about the belts. Who had a go at Cody Rhodes? Somebody else had a go at Cody Rhodes. Everyone's Deadspin. swinging at AW this week, aren't they? Dead, dead, Deadspin, the outlet. Oh, had a go forget at Cody if it's Rhodes. Deadspin, forget about it. I was thinking about the belts <laughs> thing, but yeah, no, no. Let's not give them any any breath at all. But we are getting some kind of some kind of uh, big announcement apparently from Cody Rhodes this week Britt Baker comes out and looks an absolute you know million dollars all in all it's a great show I just think it's almost a compliment that we're picking it apart a little bit and yeah whether it's Orange Cassidy or whether it's Pac 
I am so ready for either of those going up against Kenny Omega. That gets me well excited. Steph? Yeah, I think it's going to be Orange Cassidy, and I think that's a great match to have with a full house that they'll have at the pay-per-view for the first time in a long time. Uh, I think he's the guy. I do, I do get um, Bubba Ray's point about Nakazawa holding the Impact title as opposed to Kenny or... You know, I, I do think it's a bit pedantic, to be honest, but I understand where he's coming from. Um, I still think it's great the way Kenny's kind of, hold, you know, holding himself and, and the way he's, he's acting on screen as this almighty belt collector. Um, and Orange Cassidy, really, when you think about it, could be the perfect foil for him. He really could. And it's another it's another hurdle where no one expects Cassidy to beat him, but it would be damn entertaining what they're going to do together. So uh, I'm, I'm here for it. Uh, obviously... We all rep pack, especially my Newcastle uh, heritage reps pack. But um, I've, I'll take Cassidy in this spot for sure. Have I, have I ever told you about going to the uh, to the Royal Rumble in Texas, where Pack had a, a match for the cruiserweight title, and we managed to go from being the really annoying, slightly drunk British guys during Sheamus's tag match on the pre-show, who people hated that we were doing football chants and being really larry about it. So by the time Pac was on, he was basically the cool-down match ahead of, possibly just before Owens Jer- uh, with Jericho in the, um, in the shark cage and then the Rumble, but he was basically the go-get-yourself-a-beer match. And we were so into it that when he won, about... 30 or 40 people around us started like jumping down the chairs and giving us high fives and going absolutely mad for it. And we were like, well, I think that even if they aren't behind pack, we have convinced WWE to get behind pack for just this small selection of fans. The WWE universe loved pack for that one moment. Yeah. I was going to say, I don't think you convinced WWE of anything. That's kind of the point I was making. I mean, yeah. I know. There you have it. Brother. Anyway, uh, Steph, it's always an absolute pleasure. I hope you're well. Keep doing the wonderful work you're doing. Where can people find the wonderful work you're doing? Um, you can find my written work in Digital Spy and find me on YouTube. Just type in Stephanie Chase and the wrestling one, not the violinist. Also, by the way, there is an AEW section on Digital Spy these days, Steph, because of your great work, yeah. isn't there? There is indeed. That's um, where you'll find AEW stories. My most recent interview was with Sean Spears before Blood and Guts, but even though that's over, he talks about lots of other stuff. He, he even legit called that Mike Tyson during it. So we'll see if anything comes of that. Lunatic. That was your Talk Wrestling podcast here on your Fight Night feed from Talk Sport. Don't forget to give us a rating and a review. It really does help people find the show. We really appreciate it every single week. Let us know your thoughts on Talk Sports 2 on Twitter. Find Alex at AlexM underscore TalkSport. I'm at Will Gav, and we've got a couple of huge names coming for you on next week's show around WrestleMania Backlash. Some current WWE champions. That's all I can say for now, plus a legendary voice of the sport just a little teaser for you that's all coming up keep tuned keep subscribed give us your rating and review this has been the talk wrestling podcast hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why i teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create pretty litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80 percent less than clay litter Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.